0: Hello and welcome to Clearing Out the Shelf, a podcast where I share and analyze the poetry that has been collecting dust on my shelf for months. My name is Preston and in this episode, we'll be exploring a couple of poems by Blythe Baird. Baird is a 26-year-old American poet who was originally from Chicago, Illinois and is now located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's associated with Button Poetry, a company that's also located in Minneapolis. Barrett has been claimed to be one of the most recognizable and acclaimed names in spoken word poetry, as she writes about themes such as sexual assault, growing up, queerness, etc., giving these themes a more prominent place in the world of literature. She has written and published two poetry collections, If My Body Could Speak and Sweet, Young, and Word. In this episode, we'll be looking at two poems from Barrett's book, If My Body Could Speak, The first poem I'll be sharing is titled, High School. This is how to run a stick of chapstick down the black boxes on your Scantron so the grading machine skips over wrong answers. This is how to honor roll. Hell, this is how to national honor society. This is being voted most likely to marry for money or talks the most says the least for senior superlatives. This is stepping around the kids having panic attacks in the hallway. This is being the kid having a panic attack in the hallway. This is making the A with purple half-moon stamped under both eyes. We had to try. This is telling the ACT supervisor, you have ADHD to get extra time. Today, the average high school student has the same anxiety levels as the average 1950 psychiatric patient. We know the Pythagorean theorem by heart, but short circuit when anyone asks us, How are you? We don't know. We don't know. That wasn't on the study guide. We usually know the answer, but rarely know ourselves. This poem was written about a high school experience likely between the years of 2010 and 2014, which can be seen as a time before mental health and general well-being began to become more of a priority and or less stigmatized in schools and the general public. Continuing on, one prominent feature of this poem is the usage of the phrases, this is and this is how. The only time the title, High School, is used in the poem is when Blythe cites the statistic that the average high school student has the same anxiety levels as the average 1950 psychiatric patient. Using the phrases, this is how, and this is, implicitly show the reader that the experience that she has listed are pinnacles of a high school experience, more so than the educational aspect of it. An early example of this is when she mentions using chapstick on scantrons and being voted most likely to marry for money or toximos says the least for senior superlatives. Besides the fact that these are what Baird might deem as Pinnacle High School experiences, they implicitly show how experiences as a woman or a feminine presenting person are often judged and objectified in school. This show of struggle bleeds into later experiences following a this-is-how phrase, including having panic attacks in the hallway, exhibiting constant exhaustion, and feeling like and or truly needing more time on important tests like the ACT, likely due to academic pressures. Baird includes all of these experiences in the same format as the former to have the reader empathize with her and recall their own high school experiences, furthering the fact that high school is a more tumultuous time than it is personally or academically fulfilling. The statistic that she includes that reads, Today, the average high school student has the same anxiety levels as the average 1950 psychiatric patient emphasizes the modern-day student's struggles and how they're not being treated accordingly. Another line in the poem reads, This is making the A with purple half-moon stamped under both eyes. We had to try. The phrase we had to try shows the direness of the education system as a whole. The use of we shows that this is a more or less universal experience, and had to try shows that there was an honest effort put in, even if that effort was put into cheating. Pairing the sentence with this is making to both eyes shows the pressure that has been put onto students to do the work and put all their time and energy into school, even though it gives nothing back on more than a surface level, which would be a diploma. The last few lines of the poem are as follows. We know the Pythagorean theorem by heart, but short-circuit when anyone asks us, how are you, we don't know, we don't know. That wasn't on the study guide. We usually know the answer, but rarely know ourselves. In a way, these lines act as a call for help, but I feel like they more so show students are programmed to only know themselves in a schooling perspective. The unasked questions here are, how are your grades? How is school? and others along those lines, which students are presumably capable of answering because their entire existence is expected to revolve around their education. Anything other than school is something they are expected to be present for, but can't be due to the overbearing nature of high school. Next, I'll share Barrett's poem called The Way I Was Taught to Love. My mother looks at me like I have grown tentacles before her eyes even though I'm pretty sure I look the same as I did five seconds ago when she thought my suit jacket was just professional before she discovers I am hella gay. The first time I heard the word, it dropped casually on the radio in the minivan with my mom the summer before fourth grade. It dripped down the air conditioner so noticeably, I couldn't help but ask if gay was a bad thing. She explained, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it just isn't our thing. Years later, I am 17, Half daughter, half apology, all fire and the wrong kind of love. When my mother asks if I am gay, I tell her I am sorry. When she asks, how can you possibly love something that looks just like you do? I wonder how long she has hated herself. I convince myself to pick up being straight like a sport. I just need to practice. I just need to set my mind to it. I just need to get my mom to want to be my mom again. She sends me an email with the subject line, are you being gay for attention? I am drunk with shame for hiding this unsanitary secret in the same closet as her clean linens. She wants to know when I knew. I wish I could tell her something simple, like maybe since the first day of junior high when I sat behind Shannon Whittle and smelled her herbal essences shampoo. My mother is old enough to be my grandmother. As a child, she would sing to me every night, Blythe, I wish on a million stars for you. How can I not mistake the ceiling of her love for the sky? She tried to braid flowers on my hair, asked if every friend was a boyfriend, didn't mind if I brought home a bruised wrist or a black eye as long as I had a prom date. She'd rather take a photo of me wincing with a boy than smiling with a girl. My mother says her opinion shouldn't mean anything to me, because when has her opinion ever meant anything to me? And besides, she's only one person in the grand scheme of things, so I know her opinion is not the ocean, but even if the harbor isn't very deep, people drown in their own bathtubs. My mom insists she doesn't mind the glitter, just the mess it's left all over the house. She doesn't mind my sexuality, just how it sticks to the furniture. She is not angry with me, just exhausted. Now there is too much to clean up before we have company. This entire poem addresses how Barrett's queer identity scours the relationship that she has with her mother because her mother refuses to accept the fact that her daughter is gay and she even considers Barrett to be a burden. At the very beginning of the poem, Barrett shows her mother's horror that is projected at her identity by stating, My mother looks at me like I have grown tentacles before her eyes, because her mother's reasoning as to why she dressed nicely was flipped on his head. Barrett goes on to flash back to the first time she ever heard the word gay, and her mother's calm, albeit close-minded, explanation of the word starkly contradicts her present reaction to her daughter's queerness. The sentences years later i am 17 half daughter half apology all fire and the wrong kind of love dive a little deeper into how bayard views herself after coming out as gay although Baird still sees herself as a daughter which is only one aspect of her identity that she has retained after feuding with her mother she's also half apology half guilty half something that she never should have had to be she's also all fire meaning that because of her identity She's seen as a raging thing that is ruining the foundation of life as it once was. She's also the wrong kind of love. This proves that this whole description of her isn't from her own perspective, but likely is what she believes her mother sees her as. She knows that her mother sees her sexuality as this evil, wholly encompassing thing, similar to how queer people are commonly told that they make being queer their whole personality. The sentence following this reads, When my mother asks if I am gay, I tell her I am sorry. The formatting of this sentence is what makes it stick out to me, for the word sorry makes up its own line underneath the phrase previous to it. Although both lines make up a whole sentence, formatting the sentence to have the sorry underneath the statement, when my mother asks if I'm gay, I tell her I am, implicitly shows that Blythe, although proud of her identity as a queer woman, feels that she must apologize to her mother because of her identity ended up being a disappointment to her. The next few sentences peer into the relationship between Bayard and her mother. I convinced myself I could pick up being straight like a sport. I just need to practice. I just need to set my mind to it. I just need to get my mom to want to be my mom again. She sends me an email with the subject line, Are you being gay for attention? I am drunk with shame for hiding this unsanitary secret in the same closet as her clean linens. The sentence says, I just need to practice and I just need to set my mind to it End with exclamation points. While the sentence, I just need to get my mom to want to be my mom again ends with a period. The switch from exclamation points to a period shows both a change of Blythe's tone from trying to enthusiastically do something that she falsely wanted to do, to being truthful in saying that she's really only putting on a guise to please her mother. It shows a recognition that her mother is disappointed in her to the point of dispelling her motherhood due to one part of her daughter's identity. Then Blythe includes the emo subject line to show that she isn't able to escape her mother's judgement of her sexuality, and it also shows that her mother has begun to target her character because of her sexuality. Finally, the usage of the phrase, drunk with shame, shows that Blythe just can't get enough of shame, not because she likes it, but because it's her unfortunate reality, as though she's addicted or condemned to shame. Then saying that her dirty secret in the closet is next to her mother's clean linens shows that they have been able to coexist until Blythe's mother found her secret hidden amongst what she thought were the only acceptable aspects of life. Soon after Bayard writes, as a child, she would sing to me every night, "Blythe, I wish on a million stars for you." How can I not mistake the ceiling of her love for the sky? These lines portray the notion that Bayard recognizes that her mother's love is conditional and that it always has been. The ceiling of her love shows that there was a capacity to how much her mother could love her even before she came on as gay, and Blythe mistaking that for the sky shows that growing up, she saw that love is infinite. However, to reiterate. Bayard now understands that her mother's love has a roof and is not the open sky she once saw it as due to her non-acceptance of Bayard's sexuality. Later on the sentence, my mother says her opinion shouldn't mean anything to me because when has her opinion meant anything to me? And besides, she is only one person in the grand scheme of things, so I know her opinion is not the ocean, but even if the harbor isn't very deep, people drown in their own bathtubs. Shows that Bayard is susceptible to her mother's opinion of her sexuality even though her opinion hasn't mattered to her before this. The impact of her mother's opinion has a more damning weight to it now because it regards her love life and not just something meaningful. The use of water shows just how this opinion engulfs her. Even if she isn't drowning in it, her whole self is still swimming in that opinion. The final lines of the poem read as follows. My mom insists she doesn't mind the glitter, just the messes left over the house. She doesn't mind my sexuality, just how it sticks to the furniture. She is not angry with me, just exhausted. Now there's too much to clean up before we have company. Here the first sentence is explained by the second sentence, in which Bayard depicts her sexuality to be a mess in her mother's eyes. The third sentence is a take on the phrase, I'm not mad, just disappointed, but to a degree where the mother is playing the victim with how much she's chosen to go back and forth with her daughter. The last line shows that her sexuality is making a mess of the home she lives in. The last sentence shows that her mother feels like her sexuality is a chore and that she has to hide it from anyone who enters their house, whether related or not. And there we have it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clearing Out the Shelf. Next time, I'll be sharing a fantastic poem from the inspiring poet Olivia Gatwood. Until then, happy reading.